0: From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of brotherlypuck.com. ¶¶ everybody to Brotherly Pod. It is August 18th today, another, uh, another summer edition here. Season getting ever closer. A bit more of a fun episode today. Uh, Anthony and I have been partnering up. We co-authored a piece on BrotherlyPuck.com looking over the Flyers All-Decade team for the 2010s. Today on this episode, we are going to look at the All-Division team for uh, every division in the league over the past year or so. Uh, Anthony, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Dan. Uh, Recovering from a lot of
1: research over the past 24 hours, but
0: feeling pretty good. Yeah, we have been very busy making these uh, lists happen. Uh, Just to touch upon the newest article on brotherlypuck.com, up now on the front page. You can also check it out on the link. The uh, the link is on the Twitter page, uh, at brotherlypuck, if you want to check that out the Flyers 2010 All-Decade team. Uh, You and I both assigned rosters of what we had, and uh, what did you think of the process overall? Well,
1: it was interesting to kind of, like, take a deep dive back into the last 10 years. I found, like, it was kind of insightful and exciting to look back, but also somewhat depressing (laughs) in some ways, (laughs) especially kind of when you got into the depth on defense or... uh, depth at wing especially and in goal and in net completely but it it was interesting and I found it pretty cool to maybe give some players some respect that otherwise would have maybe been forgotten
0: last week uh, we did an episode on why Giroux is the greatest flyer of all time and one of our major arguments was that he did not have the talent surrounding him and we read off some of the rosters of the team's Uh, on that episode and quite a few of them especially when you tried to do it by uh, position and overall team it was it was a lot more difficult than I thought especially once you get down to the you know the fourth line and the bottom defense pair and really the goaltending was another uh, sad little area there but uh, overall the lists were relatively the same I think believe our fourth lines were different and our backup goaltenders were different Um, but I think everybody else was essentially uh, there just in different orders so uh, it was pretty obvious that, you know, the talent that was there was there and everything else was kind of missing. Uh, and You just had to pick the names that we thought would fill the holes. So, uh, overall, I think the, our teams were pretty much identical. Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: I remember on our fourth line, um, I think our only difference at forward is that you had me and JVR and I had Lawton and Brawl. And in terms of pure skill, obviously me and JVR are much better than the two aforementioned one. But I, I put Michael Roffle there mostly because he has been kind of a staple and a constant on this team for the last six years or so. And I've always kind of respected how Raffle has bounced around the lineup, anywhere in the lineup, that is. He's played some power play, penalty to kill, top line, fourth line. So I've always kind of had a respect for Roffle, even if he isn't as good as he once was. And Scott Lawton, too, I felt that uh, I've always kind of um, respected how he – broke into the NHL, then went back down for a year, and then came back up and kind of reinvented his game as kind of like a shutdown grinder as opposed to a scoring center as he was in junior. And I think uh, the only other difference was one on defense. But, yeah, uh, more or less it was the same thing, especially in the top three lines.
0: Yeah, I I definitely understand the Raffle and Lawton pair. I really do like uh, Scott Lawton. I've always kind of have a soft spot for him and uh, Michael Roffle as well. So, get it. I think the difference on defense was you had Carl and I had... Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger, yes.
1: Yeah, so the, the only thing there, I guess, was I didn't... When I looked at Pronger's time post-2010, like, he was always injured. And I guess it was always because once Pronger went down, I really respected how much of the load Carl took on himself. And don't get it wrong, I I was frustrated as much as anybody watching Matt Carl play sometimes. But when you kind of dug into the numbers, he really ate minutes, put up strong numbers. But again, Chris Pronger, if it was pre-2010, I think undoubtedly he would have been there just based on that one season he had.
0: He had a 63 games after the 2010 playoffs. So, you know, it wasn't there, but I definitely think he played a key role. I definitely see Matt Carl as well. Uh, he, was, he definitely was good at finding chemistry with people he worked well with Braden Coburn uh in the late uh late 2000s before Chris Pronger showed up then he partnered well with Pronger there for for the remainder of his time so i definitely see that as well so you guys want to check out the full list you can do that at brotherly puck the link is there brotherlypuck.com as well in today's episode we're going to do something similar just a little different the uh, NHL division all-star team we're going to break down the top players by division with essentially the same standards that we were holding for the Flyers all-decade team. Uh, You know, the playoff performances, they have to be positionally accurate, Uh, you know, the one full season, you know, all this stuff that we, uh, the guidelines that we used for the Flyers team we're going to use for the all-division team. I guess we'll start Probably in the Pacific and then we'll work our way back just because I think we agree that the Pacific was the hardest to fill out. So uh, you want to give you want to go line by line or you want to read your whole team and then we'll uh, decide. Uh, Let's do line by line so we can kind of compare as we go. All right. You want to open up top line for the Pacific?
1: Yeah, so obviously, I don't think there's much debate. The number one center is Connor McDavid, and I had him flanked on the right side by his real life teammate and my mate, uh, Leon Dreiseidel. And on the left wing, his fellow Albertian, or Albertan, however we want to say that, Johnny Gaudreau.
0: Yeah, that was uh, similar. I had McDavid down the middle, I had Mark Stone on the right side, and Johnny Gaudreau on the left.
1: Yeah, well, pretty. I think there's not much debate about Giant Gaudreau and Connor McDavid. And uh, as we get into our second line, I have Mark Stone on the right side, Matthew Kachuk on the left side. So already two Calgary Flames here, and they're centered by Elias Pettersson.
0: A, a little different. I had a uh, Brock Besser on the right, Leon Draisaitl down the middle, and Jonathan Marchessault on the left.
1: Ooh, that's a good pick. Yeah. Well, I think it's a Dreisaitl's one of those guys that in positional wise, you know, you can flank him either on the right side or on at center. Now moving now to the third line, I had Brock Besser on the right side, uh Anzi Kobatar in the middle, and Max Pacioretty on the left.
0: Alright, well we've got the essentially the same players. I had uh Patterson down the middle, Clayton Keller on the right, and Timo Mier on the left.
1: Oh, that's a good pick. Really good. And I think that this is kind of like where we were talking about off air, where everything was kind of interchangeable. Yes. So at center on the fourth line, I had Sean Monahan, And he is on the left side, you have Jonathan Marcheseau. And on the right side, Phil Kessel.
0: That is a good one. I was essentially similar. I had Kopitar down the middle, Pacioretty on the left, and Kessel on the right.
1: Yeah, so, like, that that's where I kind of had the trouble with the forwards in the Pacific Division because, you know, Meir just missed it for me. Uh, there was also, um, oh, who's that center I was missing? Anyway, there there's a couple guys who were good, but they were just not quite there. Evander Kane was also in this conversation a lot. Timo Meyer, like I mentioned. But give or take, I think we kind of had pretty much the same guys, especially down the middle.
0: Yeah, if I put Dreisleidl at right wing, I would have put uh, Sean Monaghan there at center, so, and probably moved Clayton Keller off. But yeah, overall, that uh, was pretty much similarities, just in different orders.
1: So, moving to defense now, on the top pairing, I had the Swedish connection of Oliver Ekman Larsen and Eric Carlson.
0: I had uh, Oliver Ekman Larsen and Drew Doughty.
1: Well, I think even here, it's going to be very similar. As we move to the second pairing, I have Mark Giordano and Brent Burns.
0: I had Brent Burns and Eric Carlson.
1: And moving down to the third pair, I had Hampus Lindholm and Drew Doughty.
0: I had Mark Giordano and Cam Fowler, which I kind of went back and forth with a whole bunch of players as far as the number six guy, but I picked Fowler for some reason. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, number six guy, too, I had trouble with. I had Lindholm in there. I had Fowler. I was also contemplating Shea Theodore. Um, but I just went with Lindholm because I like his ability to eat it. But obviously, Fowler is way more of an offensive defenseman than Lindholm. And moving to the goaltenders, I have John Gibson as the starter with Marc-Andre Fleury backing up.
0: Yep, that's what I as well, Gibson and Fleury.
1: So... Dan, if you look at this roster, the Pacific Division, what's its biggest weakness and what's its biggest strength?
0: Well, I think the defense is solid. They probably have the best defense of any of them. Maybe the Atlantic could challenge them a little bit there, but overall, uh, you know, the forward depth is very interchangeable. I don't think there's a high level of. Mm, how's the way to phrase that? There's skill, but it's very interchangeable. I, I don't think you know. You obviously outside of your McDavid's, Goudreaux and and you know Leon Drysitals, you're gonna get mixed offensive production from them. Their defense is strong. Goaltending is obviously strong. Uh, Gibson, I think, would be a beast if you were on a better team than Anaheim right now. So overall, I just think the offensive depth is lacking in the Pacific.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I really like this defense. It's mobile. There's some veteran. There's some youth. But, uh, yeah, the forwards, especially when you get into the, bo- on the bottom two lines on the wings, I feel like, while they're good, it just doesn't quite match up to the rest of the divisions. So in head-to-head matchups, I think they're losing the depth game here.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move over to the central division. You want to give your uh, top line?
1: Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this division, and uh, I started off with Jamie Ben on the left side, Patrick Kane on the right, centered by Nathan
0: McKinnon. Yeah, we agree entirely on that one. Ben McKinnon, Kane.
1: I I, I wasn't sure about Jamie Ben because I know he doesn't always get as much love as I think he deserves, but I'm really happy that you have him up, have have him up there. Yep. So. As we move down, I have Mark Scheifele centering the avalanche connection of Landis Cog and Rantanen.
0: I had Landis Cog, Tyler Sagan, and Vladimir Tarasenko.
1: Very similar for me as we move to the third line. I have Kyle Connor with Tyler Sagan and Vladimir Tarasenko. I
0: had Connor with O'Reilly and Blake Wheeler.
1: You see, O'Reilly was one of those guys that just missed it for me and it was probably because of the guy that beat him out here just because of more of his pedigree, and I found that he had a really good bounce-back season. And on the third line here, I had Jonathan Taves centering Zach Parisi and Blake Wheeler, and I will just say that Parisi is one of these guys that made this team strictly because of one of our conditions that uh, every team had to be represented.
0: I had uh, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Patrick Laine on my bottom line there. Taves missed it for me. I picked O'Reilly over Jonathan Taves.
1: Yeah, and this is where I really like this div- this division. I know that we said we really like the Pacific Division's defense, but I don't know. I really like the Central Division defense, and my top pairing is Roman Yossi and Alex Pietrangelo.
0: I had uh, Roman Yossi and Colton Pareko. <laughs> You see, Pareko just
1: missed it for me, but I like that. By Pareko, he, I, I went back and forth with him. As we move down to the second pairing, I have um, Matthias Eckholm and Ryan Ellis.
0: I had Ryan Ellis and Duncan Keith.
1: Yeah, Duncan Keith, I found one of the best defensemen of the last decade. He missed it for me to one of the most rising young defensemen in the NHL. I had the Dallas Star connection of Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg.
0: I had uh, Ryan Suter and Miro Heiskanen as my third pair.
1: So Ryan Suter, I guess, makes it because we each had to qualify in Minnesota Wild. Yes, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) It, You know, when when you have those, I don't know, I guess, contingencies, it makes it a lot easier, and it kind of affected it in some ways for me. And in net, I found that there was a lot of talent to choose from, but I ultimately went with Pecorine and Ben Bishop.
0: I went with Connor Hellebuck and Ben Bishop.
1: So when you look at the central division, what's the biggest strength? What's the biggest weakness?
0: Their offense, stacked. Uh, I really like the dynamic of their defense. Obviously, we had some different guys there, but overall, you know, the dynamic of it uh, uh, was strong. Goaltending, overall, this was a very strong division for goaltending, and have could have been quite a few uh, acceptable answers there. But overall, really, this team is stacked from offense, defense, and goaltending.
1: Yeah, I I love the offense, especially the top nine of the offense. I think there's just weapons galore there. I like the size that they bring in the top-end talent, like McKinnon and Rontanen and Ben and Landeskog. A lot of avalanche forwards here. Uh, The the only weakness, I would say, is maybe the depth on defense. You had Ryan Suter just based on the uh, contingencies that we had. Heiskanen and Klingberg on my side, I like them a lot, but maybe in the grand scheme of things, they may not make the cut. But, uh, yeah, goaltending, too, whether it be Rene Bishop or Hellebuck, they're really solid.
0: And moving over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, I guess we'll start with the Atlantic. We'll save the Metro for the grand finale here. Uh, my top line in the Atlantic was Jeff Skinner, Austin Matthews, and Nikita Kucherov. So, mine's similar.
1: Uh, I have Brad Marchand, John Tavares,
0: and Nikita Kucherov. All right, well, my second line, uh, Brad Marchand, John Tavares, Mitch Marner. (laughs) So pretty much the same, just we
1: interchange with you guys. My second line is Jeff Skinner, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner.
0: That was, uh, I think those are pretty easily the top six there, just depending on uh, which way you put them. Third line was William Nylander, Alex Barkov, David Pasternak. Yeah, for me, I
1: had Jonathan Huberdeau, Alexander Barkov, and David Posternock.
0: Well, then I had, on the fourth line, Jonathan Huberdeau, Dylan Larkin, Sam Reinhardt. And for me,
1: I had Jonathan Drouin, Dylan Larkin, and Brendan Gallagher.
0: Yeah, the uh, Dylan Larkin edition there, there was probably a whole bunch of better centers, but I needed a red wing to fill that hole, so...
1: Yeah, I'm sure everyone should know that. Dan, and I spoke off air that we struggled to leave off guys. <laughs> and bring Point, and for me, it was leaving off Jack Eichel that really burned me. But like, like you mentioned, like I, I tried to fit a defenseman here from the Detroit Red Wings, but I just, I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of talent in Detroit at the moment. I think in a few years from now, it'll be a different story. But at the time, Larkin is uh, their lone bright spot. So leaving off guys like Bergeron and Stamkos and Point and, uh, you know, a couple other guys as well was a little depth there. Moving to the defense, I had Rasmus Dalin and Victor Hedman. I had
1: Victor Hedman and Charlie McAvoy.
0: Oh, I did well, I do not have McAvoy on here. Uh, my second pair was Shea Weber and Ryan McDonough.
1: Uh, for me, I have Morgan Riley and Aaron Eckblad.
0: And my bottom pair was Tory Krug and Thomas Chabot.
1: Well, Chabot makes this list because he's a senator. Yep. I mean, he a senator <laughs> but I do think that he will be deserving of this list one day. But my third pairing is Thomas Chabot and Shea Weber.
0: Finally, some differences between us, huh? And the goaltending, Carey Price and Andre Vasileski. Yeah, ditto
1: you know, for me. I think that, uh, I'll just say now, I think that this is the best goalie tandem. And, you know, you, le- you even leave off guys like Frederick Anderson and Tuka Rask. Uh, the goaltending was very tough, but at the same time easy. You can't leave either Price or Vasileski off this list.
0: No, that was it. <laughs> and uh, your take overall at the Atlantic Division.
1: Uh, I love the top-end talent, a lot of skill. I think that arguably they have the best center depth, just Tavares, Matthews, Barkov, just them three alone. I like the diversity. I think they maybe lack a bit of size overall. On defense, there's obviously some differences that we have. I think it's a it's a young defense, no matter which way you slice it, whether you have McAvoy or Dahlin, uh Ekblad or Tori Krug. It's rather... Uh, maybe young on the young side a bit, but I think the goaltending alone gives this team arguably the best overall team. Obviously, we'll get to our total analysis later, but uh, yeah, the goaltending here is, in my opinion, far and away the best.
0: Yeah, I think the overall talent in the uh, this roster compared to the others is is there. I mean, we left so many guys off from, you know, our defenses were different. Uh, the uh, forward depth, especially down the middle, is insane. There are a lot of talent here that we... Is on the team a lot of talent we left off. So probably the deepest division in terms of star power.
1: Yeah, that's it. And it's very interchangeable because even the top three centers, like you had Matthews as number one, I Tavares, but you could even make the case that Sasha Barkov was the number one. That guy's been amazing. Jonathan Huberdeau, Jeff Skinner, and Marshall are also kind of interchangeable. Ditto for Martin and Kucherov. But uh, I guess it's only when you get down to the bottom line where there's some more debate. And a bit on defense, but as far as the top nine goes, especially the top three centers, like, it's just elite, elite, a level talent.
0: Yep, I agree. And uh, the Metro Division top line, this one was a little tricky, especially on the right wing, was was, uh, very weak as far as I noticed. But my top line was Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Hornquist.
1: Oh, for me, uh, it was Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and your favorite, Jakob Voracek.
0: Yeah, my yeah, absolute my favorite. favorite. <laughs> I, uh, second line was the all-flyer squad, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jakub Voracek.
1: Uh, for me, I had Artemi Panarin, Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin, and Cam Atkinson.
0: Uh, my third pair was Panarin, Barzell, and Cam Atkinson.
1: My third uh, trio is Claude Giroux, Sebastian Aho, and Jordan
0: Everly. And the last one, the fourth line, Taylor Hall, Evgeny Malkin, Josh Bailey. I had Taylor Hall, Nicholas Backstrom, and Kyle Palmieri. I went back and forth between Backstrom or Malkin. I couldn't decide.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I found the right wing extremely tough. That was, was rough, tough. yeah. <laughs> Like, I was even looking at Travis Connecting at one point, not going to lie.
0: The defense, uh, top pair, Chris Letang and John Carlson. I have Jakob
1: Slavin and Seth Jones. Uh,
0: Second pair was Jones and Provorov.
1: I had Provorov and John Carlson.
0: And the bottom pair, uh, Dougie Hamilton and Jacob Truba.
1: I actually went a bit off the board. I went uh, Nick Letty and Jacob Trouba.
0: Oh, that's not not a bad uh, pair there. And goaltending, a little difficult, but I think this one was easy as well. Brayden Holtby and Henrik Lundqvist.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. You know, Matt Murray, maybe you could have made the case for. I think if Sergei Vibrovsky was still in this division, he would be there over the king. But yeah, you got to go with Holtby and Lundqvist. So what's your overall uh, opinion on this uh, division?
0: The right wing is insanely weak. There's a lot of talent down the middle. Uh, the defense, uh, I think there are quite a few high level defensemen, but not quite the same franchise level guys that we've seen in the past divisions, you know, like we talked about in the Central and, and especially the Pacific was stacked on D. But um, overall, there are a lot of talent here, but I don't know if it's at the same level as the other divisions.
1: Yeah, I always thought the Metro would be the strongest just because of like some of those elite star power guys like Ovechkin, Crosby, Panarin, Giroux, Malkin. But yeah, that defense, I think aside from Seth Jones and maybe John Carlson, there's no like elite top-end defenseman here. Uh, even the goaltending, like don't get me wrong, I, lo- I like Holtby, I like Lundqvist. Don't know if they match up against the other goaltenders. Uh, as we mentioned, the right wing is especially weak. Uh, I think the the one bright spot for them is that they have the best set of left wings with Ovechkin, Panarin, Giroux, and Hall. But aside from that, uh, it's kind of an underwhelming division here.
0: Yeah, this was one, when I was filling this out, I I was kind of surprised. You know, I think by default, everybody kind of assumes the Metro division is the most, you know, the, the, the deepest division in the league. And I think... From the talent spread out over the teams, that's true, because I think in the Atlantic, you got you know Toronto, Tampa and Boston you know, taking the lion's share of the talent. Um, but overall, I think the overall talent level is just spread out a little more than on other divisions, and I don't think it's just it's just not quite as high.
1: So in saying this, the best offense of any division, where would you go?
0: Man, that's it would pr- pr- the central. Maybe the Atlantic? Uh, but mm, I just think in terms of overall depth, it's probably the central. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there. It's between the two, but like I said about the Atlantic, if they were to go head-to-head, I think they would kind of get beat up in terms of size. You know, the guys like Ben and McKinnon and Landis Kog, and then Wheeler and Rontanen, like they have a lot of size. I like the two-way game that they have in Taves down the middle, or in your case, Ryan O'Reilly. But uh, like we said, it's hard to go against Tavares, Matthews, and Barkov connection. But I think overall, like you mentioned, Central's is a bit more
0: well-rounded up front. And the defenses, who do you think has the best defense?
1: You know, I think, well, like we said, you can pretty much eliminate the Metro from this conversation. Yes, yes. But- but uh, I think you all go with the Pacific. You know, just Carlson, Burns, Doughty alone, and Ekman, Larson, Giordano. Those, those five, like, it doesn't really matter who the six is at that point because I doubt they'll see more than five minutes per game. Uh, but, yeah, I just I, I – don't get me wrong, I like the central. I like the Atlantic's youth a bit. But uh, I think that no one holds a candle to the Pacific's defense.
0: Yeah, I agree. OEL, Dowdy, Burns, Carlson is a dangerous top four. Giordano's there, and then there's quite a few guys that you could fill in for the sixth. Uh, The Central is nice, but I don't think it it is quite as dynamic. The Atlantic is nice as well. They've got a couple good guys there, but I think it was hard to fill in the fifth and sixth role, and the Metro just does not have that uh, defensive depth right now. So, as far as goaltending, where would you go? That's a tough one. Atlantic with Price and Vasilevsky would be my guess. Uh, Gibson and Flurry have their moments as top guys. Flurry is, you know, on what, three Stanley Cups now. Gibson, I think, would be, again, I think he'd be a beast if he were on a different team. But uh, given the state of the Ducks and really overall the Pacific Division, uh, I don't think he's going to make it. So I think it would be Price and Vasilevsky in the Atlantic. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there. Price has been probably the best goaltender in the NHL in the last five years or so. Vasilevsky is trending to take that torch from him for the next half decade. So, yeah, I'm with you with uh, Price and Vasilevsky. Uh, and I do agree that the runner-up is Gibson and Fleury. Um, again, I just don't think that the Metro has enough be in Holby and Lundqvist. Maybe if it was... Five to ten years ago, they would be up there just strictly because of what Lundquist used to be. But, yeah, I think Price and Vasilevsky is uh, the best pairing here.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think this uh, hard to argue when Price and Vasilevsky are in net there, especially when you bring in other guys. So, yeah, I think the Central Division, probably overall, the best. Pacific has the best division. Atlantic has the best forwards. And the Metro just kind of exists. Yeah, I think Central
1: probably best overall as well. Like, they didn't, like, I just love that forward group. I just think there's a lot of diversity, I think, that, oh uh, even on defense, like, you have guys like Roman Yosi and Ryan Ellis, Colton Pareko, and even in net, like, those are adequate goaltenders right there, so, but... uh Man, I'm looking at this Atlantic Division four group, and man, oh man, that's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, they are scary good at scoring on this one. You know, Matthews, Kucherov, Marner, Tavares, Huberto, uh, Marshawn Barkov. I mean, the David Posternok's in there. That's a lot of talent for a for a forward group. I think they have the best right wings in the NHL. Uh, yeah. No, I Maybe mean, the Central could give them a run for their money, but I mean, the Pacific doesn't have a whole lot, and then the Metro is pathetic on the right wing, so <laughs> I could see it.
1: I think the Metro, they only have the left wings with Ovechkin, Panarin, Giroux, and Hall.
0: Yeah. I think as far as depth goes, that's probably there. Maybe the Central could give them a run for their money, but I think that's probably the last, uh, the only thing the Metro really has going on here.
1: So, Dan, since we recap this. Uh, I saw a debate before we came on on Twitter. Oh boy, uh, amongst uh, Flyers um, right wing situation, and we have uh, I think our friend Dan Silver advocating for Foster Ferriby. Then you have Flyers beat writer Bill Meltzer talking about Pitlick. Some guys talking about Lawton. Where are you at in terms of who you think is going to crack the wing, the right wing job on the Flyers third line as of right now?
0: that's a tough one and it's been kind of the question that has they've haven't answered yet uh you know i saw the name tyler pitlick and quite frankly i don't know enough about this guy to kind of know what he's gonna to bring to the table he's had a fair share of injuries he's been on a relatively weak dallas stars forward group um i i don't know this is where i wish they would have went after somebody like cory perry or or joe pavelski or something to kind of give them you know to fill that hole but I don't know. I think it really depends on what the rest of the bottom six looks like and if any of these kids make the roster. I'm not for throwing Frost or Farabee there, even if they can handle it. I don't think it's the best idea overall yet. I think you should give them at least some time with the Phantoms this year. So I have no idea. It really depends on where where scott lawton ends up you know are you going to use them as a fourth line center or are you going to move him up to the third line wing and we can kind of play anywhere so I, there are a lot of questions here but i'm not entirely sure what the correct answer is yet
1: yeah i'm kind of with you with the scott lawton boat right now i i think kind of a lot depends on what they do with uh Claude Giroux. uh whether he plays the left wing or the right wing i've seen some people talk about maybe jvr starting on the top line in which case Giroux would probably be the uh right wing but yeah I I don't like the whole Frost and Faraby thing I just maybe it's because like we've talked about on some of our past shows that I'm just so over putting so much faith into prospects potential I want to see what they can do uh first before kind of plugging them in that role so as things stand right now I'd probably bet Lawton moving up into that role and a guy like German Rupsov centering the uh, fourth line, I think from what I've read, he's probably the most NHL ready of all the prospects to make an impact, and he is a centerman and kind of a defensive one at that, but one guy that is still a UFA right now, and I know he's up there in age, but I think he showed that he still has some left in the tank last year with Buffalo, is Jason Palminfield. And he's a guy that even if it's a PTO, I know they already gave uh, Chris Stewart a PTO for some reason because he played in Minnesota, but uh, Jason Palmerville is a guy that, you know, he's been a captain before. He played on Jack Eichel's right wing with Jess Skinner for a bit last year. He's a guy that if I was Chuck Fletcher, I'd seriously look at to maybe extend a PTO or even sign on a cheap deal to maybe fill that void.
0: Yeah, I, I could see it. You know, I mentioned Corey Perry, Prevalski, I think they're a step above. But at this point, you know, Pommelville is still good for probably 30 points a season, maybe on that, you know, third line. I mean, the Flyers offense is going to be very deep, talent-wise and scoring-wise. Uh, you know, especially if Kevin Hayes and Olin Patrick end up on the third line, you're going to have Lindblom down there more than likely. Um, so, or Van Riemsdyk, depending on where you sit there. But, you know, it really is going to be an interesting battle. I would go with Pommelville. I would sign him cheap. Uh, maybe bring him in. I hope to Christ it's not Chris Stewart and they don't keep him around. You know, it's, they're just getting rid of these bums. There's no reason to bring somebody else in. But uh, I don't know. Maybe if they sign Pommonville, it would be uh, at least a cheap plug for one year while he still has something left in the tank.
1: So just before we close it out, you mentioned Kevin Hayes there. And I just want to get your thoughts. What did you think of that whole Kevin H, uh Kevin Age? Kevin Hayes, <laughs> Frank Saravali drama that was debunked by Ryan Whitney. Where are you kind of at with that?
0: This was probably one of the more stupid things I've seen. And that's saying something because it's fucking Flyers Twitter, and we all know what that's like. But um, it was bizarre. I'm not entirely sure what Frank was going for there, Uh, trying to. uh, From what I understand it, he said something about Hayes' You know, didn't want to sign unless he got paid, and and he's... Ray Whitney was very angry about it. Ryan Whitney, rather. A different guy. But, uh, yeah, not entirely... <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. I think it's stupid. It's a free agent thing. It's something we've talked about. You know, you're going to get paid no matter what. So, I don't know. This whole situation was dumb.
1: Yeah, well, because it seemed like... From what Frank Cervelli said, it was pretty much that Hayes didn't want to sign with the Flyers unless they overpaid. And that's exactly what they did, but... They did overpay, but I mean, like, it was. I think after Brock Nelson got signed for six times six, that's pretty much what everyone expected Hayes to get. And he basically got one million more for a year longer. But I, I don't know. I just felt like Saravali was trying to get maybe cheap clicks, cheap uh, attention. And it, he's kind of one of the more reliable guys. You know, he's. You know, he's in with TSN right now. I know he's from Philadelphia and that's where he started, but uh, it just seemed kind of weird that he would go out on a limb and say something that controversial.
0: Yeah, I was kind of surprised that it came from him as well. Um, But, you know, it was the rumor, it was things we heard going in as well before he signed. You know, he didn't want to play or he wanted to go to Chicago or New York or, you know, go back to one of his previous teams. But, it is what it is and of course this sparked the overpayment uh debate amongst flyers twitter and go well you know if it was five hundred thousand dollars cheaper would you hate him? and and which is funny because these same people then lost their shit over scott lawton making five hundred thousand more than they would have otherwise but for me it's not necessarily the money himself when they first brought him on I, I fully expected him to get you know probably six to seven million dollars so in that sense i wasn't super surprised at the money and it's not even the money itself that i hate it's the term this seven-year bullshit i've ranted about this before so i'm not gonna do it again but fuck i can't stand the fact that it was seven years i think that's a bad call at the end of the day but i I don't think they overpaid him i just think they gave him too many years so it it is what it is it's a a free agent in 2019 you're gonna get paid no matter where you went
1: yeah, and and I think the overall thing with Hayes, again, like 7 million nowadays, it really isn't that. I, I like I kind of feel ridiculous saying it, but it's like 7 million now you you throw at a low-end first-line, high-end second-line player. So I I think with Hayes, he is definitely overpaid, but I think the biggest thing is that people were expecting more. The way that Fletcher was talking, people were expecting like a Panarin up front or a Carlson slash Subban on defense, and then they got Hayes and Niskanen and Braun, which is, I could understand, I want to see what they what these players do first, but another guy who we've talked about a lot on this show, and I direct message to you with some screenshots that he says, this was a good one, that he is upset that the Flyers... Once again, it was the same guy who was mad that the Flyers didn't wait till late July for Shattenkirk to get bought out. <laughs> He's mad that the Flyers didn't wait to trade for Rosmus Ristolainen. So I ask you, Rosmus Ristolainen, the Sabres probably want a young forward back from what I know. So let's say a Travis Konechny. Would you have rather given up a young forward like Konechny or Lindblom or what have you for Rasmus Ristolainen? bit of a t- tongue twister, or have done what Fletcher did with Niskanen and Braun?
0: Oh, I would have taken Niskanen and Braun. I just don't think Ristolainen has it anymore. I think for a long time he was kind of riding on that potential. You know, same with uh, Tyler Myers quite a few years back. You know, the Buffalo, oh, well, we're we're working through it, and once things kind of get together, they'll be fine, and, and they're not. Um, uh, Ristolainen still has three years left at 5.4 so. At the end of the day, I don't think it would have been worth it. You know, I saw the argument. You showed me the screenshots about the guy waiting. You know, oh, it could have gotten Kevin Shat and Kirk and Line And listen, you know, I'm very disappointed. That's probably why I've torn Kevin Hayes apart as much as I have. Because I was waiting for something more... You know, it was like Niskanen and and Braun and and Hayes, and it's like, all right, something else has to be happening. He has to hit that home run, and he kind of never did. Um, The team's going to be a lot better. I've said that a hundred times. I I just, I'm very disappointed that something else didn't happen. Uh, I don't think waiting for Shattenkirk or Ristolainen was what I was expecting, though.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, I guess this just kind of exemplifies us trying to grasp at straws to find Hockey Talk in the middle of August.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is, you know, Flyers Twitter in the middle of August is uh, even worse than it is most of the time. So.
1: Yeah, so I guess we'll be back next week with another random All-Star depth chart that we can uh <laughs> and scrounge together.
0: <laughs> yeah, well... uh got some breaking down to do we're going to continue the breakdown by division mean we'll do that next week as well so uh where can these people good people
1: find you on twitter you can find me at a marker 25 or you can find my work at the fourth period the handle is at tfp and my recent debut on brotherly puck as dan brought up earlier in the show
0: that's right, you can check that article out. It's on the front page right now, uh, brotherlypuck.com. The link is on the Twitter page at brotherlypuck, You can find me at Dan the Flyer fan. Find this show at brotherly underscore pod. All the shows are coming back. Season two Angry Negative show will pick up uh the first week of September. We don't have a date official yet, but that'll be first week of September. BPW radio uh, coast to coast will follow suit after that. So Season's almost here. Shows are coming back. We are ready. We're going to find a way to pass time next week as well. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye and good night.